Economics in the Spirit present... How to be a success. Ordinary men living extraordinary lives. The podcast that explores the messy nuts and bolts behind people's success. Now here's your host, S.B. Cole, author of The Good Man, exploring economics and the spirit. This month, we have with us Karen Allen. Karen Allen is an author, preacher, public speaker, CEO of the Joe Morris Boxing Gym and co-founder of the Joe Morris Community Empowerment Centre. She is also a passionate advocate for young black men. Karen, thank you so much for coming on to the programme today. It is a privilege and an absolute honour to be on. Finally, we did it. <laughs> this feels like a divine appointment. I cannot tell I'm you. excited to be here. How many times it nearly didn't, is it going right. to, but finally, after, is it <laughs> like it. four months? Yeah, at least, yes, right? And look, yes. lo- it got us to lockdown, to lock, lock us down. <laughs> so we're grateful. We thank God. I reckon a lot of people are in the similar situations. Mm. Certain things are just not happening until lockdown came. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's brilliant. So we're going to do the beginning section of this interview, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. And what I want to ask you is, where did your passion for young black men come from where did it start okay that's um I guess it's it's a simple but profound question um because my journey has been I would say that it's been a long one to get me here it's been a um a rocky one it's been more of a roller coaster than a smooth ride to be honest with you I think that there were seeds that were sown in my youth um that didn't really manifest until my adulthood so I grew up as one of four biological children and then my parents fostered two um, younger brothers as I left home to get married so I had four brothers and and a sister so I've always been around a lot of men my parents have been married for 40 gosh eight years Um, and my dad is a very present black man and then when I was married I had four sons I would say that prior to having my four sons it was my baby brother who stirred a a real passion so I guess that well I I hope most people love their siblings especially their younger siblings but there was something really special about the connection I had with my baby brother Um, he's seven years younger than me can you tell me maybe a story, or an image about that connection when you were younger? Yeah, no problem. Still, when my mum got pregnant with my baby brother, I was seven. And I remember actually praying for a baby sister. I specifically wanted a girl. And when my mum came home, so she didn't know, they didn't do scans. I don't remember them doing a scan. I just remember her coming home with a boy. And as soon as I saw him my desire for a baby sister left. It was just like, wow, I have a baby brother. And there was, I'd say from that moment, there was a really special connection that we had. Um, My parents, when he was um, two, so I would have been nine, my parents took us to Jamaica for three years. I went to school in Jamaica. I came back with a full-blown Jamaican accent. (laughs) (laughs) I was a different person when I came back. But during that time, um, again, my brother and I really connected 
And I think I would say that that was definitely where the seed was sown in terms of my passion for young black boys. Um, and then as he grew and the different challenges that he went through, it just solidified that I, I had some, I knew that my, that eventually I would be called to help them. I just didn't know in what capacity, to be honest. Would you be able to give us an example of the struggles or one of the struggles that he went through in that teenage yeah, period? Absolutely. When he was about, I'd say probably about 15 or 16, um, we grew up in North London, Edmonton, North London. And um, he just began to make some really unwise choices in terms of friendship groups. Um, but my brother... It was just a lot of peer pressure for him. So he ended up in um, juvenile prison at a very young age. He went to Feltham um, for misdemeanours. He would have been maybe 17. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and just seeing that journey, it really spiralled for him because the, the group of friends that he had, although they were, and again, e even in me saying him making unwise choices, they were phenomenal young people from my perspective who were just, really caught up in, in a lifestyle that they desired that would lead them down a path of really just prison or death. Go on. I think that one of the things that, that stood out to me as well, um, when I think, even as I think back now, when he was, my brother would have been about 20 at this time. And I, rem I recall, I used to call them the three musketeers. So it was him and two other friends that used to just irritate me. <laughs> For want of a better word. Always wanted to come in my bedroom, you know, sis, will you cook us some breakfast? Will you fry us some dumplings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and one of, when they were um, in their early 20s, one of his friends got shot and killed. Um, and the other one got shot and lost his leg. So out of the three musketeers, um, one died and one became permanently disabled. And that just, it transformed all of our lives, to be honest with you. Um, but in particular, what it did for my brother and his mind, his choices was, again, it just, it led him down a path that landed him in jail. He got a prison sentence for 12 years. And um, he did the majority of that, I think. And again, this is, is vaguely me recalling him being in jail for at least 10 years. He was in jail from my recollection for all of his 20s. So, yeah, the whole journey with my brother was very, very, very rocky. And it was in, in, in prison that he had his, I guess, aha turnaround moment. So that by the time he got out of jail, he literally came out and transformed his life because of his experiences in jail. Can you tell me just briefly a little bit about how he got into jail, what actually happened and the choices that he made? I know it was all linked with the the murder of his friend. It was um, a GBH charge, but a very, very serious GBH charge. And it was what they call, I cannot remember the term, but it's a term for when someone gets arrested or convicted and then you have all their friends who were in the the vicinity at the time there's a term joint for it. enterprise joint there you go girl so he went down for joint enterprise they couldn't pin it on anyone so they all got between i think from what i recall between seven to 15 years between that time frame 
So that's um, when that whole stretch happened during that time. And it was to do with retaliation? Yeah, it was definitely to do with retaliation. This was the word on the street. Because at this time, I'd become a Christian. And when I initially became a Christian, I became one of these really radical Christians. Um, it's really embarrassing for me to even think back to how I was as a new convert. But when I, I'm saying that because there was a lot of things that happened at that time that are very hazy to me because I so put my head in the sand. All I knew was that my baby brother was going to jail and I didn't even want to know the detail. I just wanted to make sure that he didn't lose his mind while he was in there, to be honest with you. That was my main concern. And what was the turnaround, briefly? While he was inside? Mm-hmm. I, I can't say that it was a thing. I think it was. I think one of the things that people have told me that prison does is it gives you a lot of time to think, gives you a lot of time to reflect, it gives you a lot of time to readjust or realign. So I, I, he used that time to do that because, and again, a, a lot of young people don't really get this until they go to jail. But a lot of the friends that you think you have when you're not in jail, you realise that they're not your friends when you do go to jail. So it was us as a family that would be visiting him. It would be us as a family that would be sending him what he needs Um not you know i'm sure he definitely had friends that did but it was our voices that were constantly in his head reminding him of who he was where he was from you know his potential his destiny etc and i think that that whole process while he was in there just caused a, a metamorphosis i wouldn't say that it was sudden but i would say that he made a decision that he wasn't going to come out and go back to anything he was going to come out and move forward um, and we saw those changes pretty much immediately when he came out. That was the inimitable Karen Allen. Next week, she's going to talk about how she came to a place where she could hear directly from God. Here's a snippet. I say to people all the time, God did this. Like, and when I say God did this, because people are like, no, but he doesn't do it for anyone. So the, the difference then with me is one word, and that's obedience. It's not me being special. It's not me being unique. It's not me being ultra gifted. It's simply obedience. But that obedience has come through many years of disobedience. <laughs> 